For those of you that are wondering, I, I have reached the 50 mark. People say, you know, dealt with your youthful look. I just figured you were in your mid-40s. <laughs> and I said, you need to go see an optometrist if I ever you. Anyway, I'm 69 years old, proud of it. It took me a lot of years to get that old. And I feel old until I talk to some of you. And I think, man, I feel pretty young now, now that some of you are a bit older than that, as it were. Hey, I'm starting a new series. I've got to go visit my son in Pendleton, Oregon, and his, and his wife and family, of course. But uh, my son is a pastor there. I got to go hear Jeff speak, and he's a very good speaker. Had a great time there, and but I'm glad to be back. Thank you, Greg Johnson, for filling in. And uh, and so I'm starting a new series today, and uh, it's all in your head. Usually, used to hear that, and people would say it's just they would be like saying it's a figment of your imagination, or you're imagining some things. And when someone would say to me, "It's all in your head," I would get all umbraged and and all that kind of stuff. And then you live a while longer, and then you do realize it really is all in your head. Uh, so I want to talk about taking your temperature. And we got to, that's why I wanted you to have a bullet today. We've got this little thing that we're going to do, and we're going to take your temperature. Not with that little gun that they had at the, remember when COVID was running so hot, still running hot, but uh, couldn't go to a lot of places. And now the doctors, I can't think the doctor, at least my doctor does, puts that thing to my head. And I always think there may be a, some kind of a death ray in. Anybody ever concerned about that? That it may turn you stupid or something like that. I've had lots of those shots, so it might have, might have been the truth. And so, does anyone have an ongoing war with your mind? <laughs> Sometimes you feel like, man, you got the faith to move mountains, and some days you feel like you're not even saved. You know, I mean, does God even know my name? And so uh, I don't have, it's not that extreme anymore, but it kind of used to be. And so uh, I want to talk about that for the next several weeks. Uh, take me three or four weeks to get through it, but I want to I wanna take that time and talk about uh, what goes on inside your head. See, the truth of it is in your bullets, it says, the life we live reflects the thoughts we think. Now, a lot of us would like to think the life we lived is because of those darn Republicans, those more darn Democrats. I tell you, it's Joe Biden's fault and it's Donald Trump's fault, and that's why we're in the mess. That would be nice if it were true, but the life you live is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Solomon said it before any of those guys came around in Proverbs 23, 7, he said, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think you can and you think you can't, you're both right. Does anybody know who said that first? If you think you can... Or if you think you can't, you're both right. Anybody, anybody, just shout it out. Anybody know? Henry Ford said that. Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. See, things are, uh, Ed Cole used to say, and he passed away, but Ed Cole used to say that things are created twice. They're created once in the mind and then once in, in the natural world. So anytime any church building, anything has been created, any business plan, before you ever get going on a business, usually you need a business plan. So that's created in your head and in your mind. And then you create the reality and then you make adjustments as you, as you need to. Proverbs says that your life will be filled, your stomach will be filled with the words that you speak. Kind of encourages to make our words sweet, positive, encouraging. Because you're going to live by those words that you speak. We're all looking to be can-do people. When you hire somebody or you're working with somebody, you want them to be a can-do person that can figure out a way to get it done, that doesn't stop at the first, uh, at the first roadblock. And so 
we talk about misinformation. Misinformation originated with Satan himself. Now, now, now Pastor, you're not going hocus pocus on you with the talk of the devil and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, Jesus believed in the devil. Didn't put his faith in him, but he believed the devil was real. And we, what we say around here, if Jesus said it and believed it, then anybody that can predict their death and resurrection, we're pretty much going to go with whatever they said. And Jesus was able to do that. Some can predict their death through suicide, but they can't their resurrection. And Jesus predicted both. So whatever he says about that, we pretty much believe. And so uh, the words of Jesus uh, in John 8, 44 says, Satan was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I know in school they have to teach English as a second language, for children have been raised in a home where English was not the primary language. But when the devil speaks his native language, he is a liar, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now don't raise your hand, well maybe you can. Who's ever dealt with somebody who were just like that? You didn't believe one single word that came out of their mouth you knew they were lying because their lips were moving. I know that's an old politician joke, but we don't believe that anymore. But, you know, you dealt, and that's what Jesus said about the devil. Misinformation is a thing that just spews him. He began the whole thing with humanity anyway when he went to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he questioned what God had really told him. He says, did God really say that? Come on, did he mean that? Because God knows the day you eat it, of the forbidden fruit, as it were, that you're going to be like him. Your eyes are going to be open, and you're going to know all this kind of secret stuff that God doesn't want you to know. In fact, God's really holding out on you, and Adam and Eve believed the lie, ate the fruit, and brought all kinds of uh, judgment to themselves. So I think the devil, Satan, tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time. See, one lie at a time. You know, it's like you can't trust God. Really? You think God's going to help you? You can't trust God to, to, to answer you. Uh, you you're, you're really not enough for the task. Everyone else in the room is really smart, but ah, you're not. Everyone else is really capable. Everyone else reads their Bible a lot. Everyone else is perfect. Everyone else never makes a mistake, but what you have, you don't have what it takes to, uh, to, to, to make it. You can't trust people. Don't ever trust anybody. Because the day you trust them, that's the day you're going to be hurt. And I'll tell you what, and then they got stories after story after story. And all those things, guys, are big, fat lies. Well, good preaching, Pastor. I thank you for the encouragement. I, I, uh, you'll never succeed. Why pray? Doesn't do any good. Remember you prayed for that? Didn't do any good. Why do you even pray? Those are the lies he brings. That you, uh, you're never going to make a difference. Those people are always going to be the same. Your child will never change. Your spouse will never change. It doesn't do any good to do any of that kind of religious mumbo-jumbo because it's not going to be any different. That's the lies that he talks all the time. What goes on in your mind comes out in your life. See, I don't think you can have a positive life with a negative mind. I don't think you can have a positive life with a negative mind. And some of you might say, I'm positively sure you can because I've had a positively negative mind for years and you might be happy, but folks around you are probably going nuts. And your kids and or grandkids and or spouse probably didn't like to talk to you very much. 
No, no, online. I knew you were listening to me. You can just send in a chat that says amen to that, and, uh, and then that'll be good. The truth of it is, our mind is the battlefield, and Paul understood this. The Apostle Paul understood this well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, he says, though we live in the world, we don't have our head in the clouds. We're not just, you know, ethereal weirdos. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So he says we're here and we're really citizens, obviously Roman citizen back in the day, but we're citizens here and we really do live in, in the grand old, for us, the USA. He says, but we don't war like the war world does. Verse four, the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. See, the weapons we fight are not the laws of the land. That's not the weapons we, we use. Get a boy, or the majority, get everybody to vote the right way. Then God can have his way. Really? If we just get a majority rule, then things will be fine. That's not true. That's weapons of our warfare are not of this, uh, of, of this world. Another translation says they're not carnal. It's not enough money will make that happen. That's weapons of, the, of this world. You raise enough money, you get enough votes, you can do almost anything you want to. But that's not what we use as weapons. Um, on the contrary, he says, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? Strongholds in the Bible times were these big, uh, in the middle of the city, they would build another little fort type of place. Sometimes the walls were 30 feet thick. And when the enemy would attack, the, the kings or the important people or the city council or whoever would go into these strongholds and be protected from what, what the enemy... In, would, would do to them, and even if they breached the wall of the city, they wouldn't get into this stronghold because it's very protected. And so what Paul used that stronghold is systems of thought in your brain that you believe that simply are not true. Now, if I ask you, what do you believe that is not true? You'd say, well, pastor, I believe the truth. The truth is, I think we all don't believe things that are the truth. I think we become the prisoners of our own deceptions. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every argument, pretension that sets itself up against God. Lies about God. That's what the devil does. He accuses us and he accuses God. God doesn't care about you. What is it? That's a lie. Do you believe that? God's not going to hear you. That is a lie. Do you believe that? Your life's not going to make any difference. That is a lie. Do you believe that? Paul says we take captive every thought. You talk about mind control. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not true. That's not true. God will use what we do. God will use what I give. God will use the energy, the effort, all that kind of stuff that I'm doing in his name. And, and the devil always says, that's not going to make any difference. Whoa, I don't believe that. I pull that stronghold down, and I'm not going to live with that lie in my mind. Against God and against the knowledge of who we know him to be. And take every thought obedient to Christ. Because the God's truth is our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. 
Did you know that? Your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. And again, I'm not asking you to answer me. You can just answer in your own head. What are your strongest thoughts? What are your strongest thoughts? If I were around you much, I could hear your strongest thoughts because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are your strongest thoughts? Because your life is going to move in the direction of those strongest thoughts. Cognitive uh, psychological therapy is when science and scripture agree. Dr. Caroline Leaf wrote a book called uh, Switch on Your Brain. And she was just fascinating. Uh, Jessica Darty did it among uh, the women's group that was here. Another group is doing it even now. Uh, Caroline Leaf has a, is a, a done neurological research, and she says that many problems that people have are because they've got bad thought processes and uh, the relational problems, anxiety problems, financial problems. And so there are, what she said, there are pathways cut into our brain that, that, that of, of positivity or negativity. We'll get to that in a minute. You know, it, it's cause and effect. How many of you know when they would go to the doctor or go to maybe public school during this COVID time and they would put that little thermometer up to your forehead, how many of you know they were checking for a temperature? Why would they check for a temperature? Because a, a fever is just a symptom of something else that's wrong. How many of you know if there's a virus or a, a, something going on in your body, your body has this little war, and when your body has this little war, uh, then it comes out in, in a fever. So the, the people at school or wherever you're going, they wanted to know if you had something wrong with you on the inside so they would take your fever. And that's why we're going to take a temperature assessment today. Today we're going to think about what you think about. And again, this is private. If you want to, you can give yourself a 10 on every single one. Matter of fact, if you're sitting next to your spouse... Put a 10 on every one of these and circle it in big so he can see it, so she can see it, and drive him nuts. Yeah. What do you mean you're not that? Anyway, just, just teasing. You probably don't need to be driven any more nutty than we are. Okay, the, the first one here is, is, is between 1 and 10. 1 is worried, 10 is peaceful. Now, are you typically, when you wake up, does your mind drift to panic <laughs> or to peaceful. When you encounter a situation, is there basically the first thing that pops in? Is fear, oh my God, what's going to happen? Or is it that, that something, uh, there's rest? Is it foreboding? And think of those old Frankenstein movies where the music starts. Is, is your life full of foreboding music? Look at the evil, the evil in the world, the evil in the laws, and evil in this, or my family, oh, it's just terrible. Or your finances, the economy, you know how bad things are. Now, which, which side do you drift? Maybe you drift to the side where there's a peace that passes all human understanding. Hello? <laughs> Life Community Church. They used to tell us, just pretend those things never happened. But you all heard that. So, <laughs> thank you, Howard. Okay, now the next one, negative or positive? Now, do you typically drift toward just a little bit negative and critical of people? Assuming the worst about people. You meet somebody and they seem to be nice, but you think, ah, oh, I'll bet you I don't know the real them. 
where there's no trust. Now, I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna where you stick your head in the sand and think that everything's wonderful when it sometimes is really not. I'm not talking about that. But you kind of think that life is really too hard. It's, it's, it's just I'm not up to the task. The pastor of the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe that's you. Or when you see a situation, you kind of drift. You know, God's able. I don't understand that stuff, and I don't like that. But, you know, God is able. Now, just in, in your own mind, again, you're not turning these in. We're not going to grade them. I want you to have an assessment on how you think about things. The third one is, 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 is worldly, worldly versus eternal. When you come into a situation, is it, is it uh, what am I going to do? Is it immediate? What's required of me? If it's to be, it's up to me. And it feels like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulder and it's just too much. Or do you see things from God's perspective? See things how God sees them. And things are not out of control. They're very much in control and very much as he planned they would be. See, some of you could argue with me right now, couldn't you? It's God's perspective. Is God happy? Maybe not, but God's, well, God, see, and I really think, guys, listen to me, I think you can train your brain. I think you can cultivate your brain to see the eternal perspective. That's why I asked you a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the immediate versus the ultimate. If you just see the immediate and can't see the ultimate, so some folks, you're just trying to get them to look three months down the road. Some folks, you're just trying to look five years down the road. <laughs> I'm trying to look at a thousand years down the road into eternity. I think there's an eternal perspective that goes there. Every positive thought releases a drug in your body. It's called dopamine. When you have a positive thought, that's why the danger of Facebook and all that kind of stuff and social media is so dangerous because people are looking for that like, that like, that like. When you get a like, ha, ah, shot of dopamine. Someone says, wow, you look good today. Bing, shot of dopamine. Somebody says something nice about you. Bing, shot of dopamine. You see likes on Facebook. And that's why you get an unlike or an unfollow or one of those, whatever they do. And oh, no. You might have got 100 likes that gives you some dopamine, but then the one negative thing, sometimes people just go off the, the rail on it. See, because what it does, every positive and every negative thought that goes through your brain forges a pathway. And your brain will always go in the direction of least resistance. And I think if you work at it, you can forge positive pathways in your brain that when you come into a situation you weren't expecting, that, that you didn't encounter, you can look at something and say, God's able. I don't like the situation, but God is able to do something. See, dopamine is the thing that drops into your brain when, when you need a pick-me-up, as it were, when you need a bit of encouragement. It's a legal medical drug that, that God designed to reinforce things that are positive. There's also a thing that drops, a hormone that drops into your bloodstream. It's called cortisol. Cortisol was that thing that's given to you for fight or flight when you're startled. And there's this a shot of cortisol that makes you ready, heightens the senses, lets you see, hear, think better. This cortisol is there and you're ready to go, but too much of it 
and then you live your life ready to go on edge, full of anxiety, and then when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're so full of cortisol, you want to blow the world up. And you want to say, just back off a little bit. And if you're so full of cortisol, you hear a noise in the night and you wake up in panic. <laughs> Pull out your gun and shoot the whole house. No, don't do that. It's just the cat. <laughs> At our house, nighttime I'd hear people running across the roof and we live in a single family dwelling. And I said, Terry, there's people on the roof. Because there's too much noise for just little, I, I can understand mice or rats or somebody like that, but these were clomp, 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 clomp. And I said, there's somebody on the roof, and she said, it's the chickens. <laughs> we evidently have relay races on our roof at night among the chickens, and they chase each other, but it sounds like a whole uh, catastrophic thing going on. See, I think positive or negative forges a pathway that you automatically drift in whenever anything happens. It can be positive, it can be negative. And Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says there's a way to rewire your brain. The brain is the most repairable organ we have in our body in that it can fix itself. Science says that, and of course, God says that. See, I think you believe a lie long enough and it begins to impact your life like it's true. You believe a lie long enough, guys, and it's going to impact your life as if it were true. I know my husband's cheating on me. I know I don't. Uh, you believe, if he's not, if you believe that long enough, and you're going to be impacted as if it were true. I know my wife's conniving against me, and I know this. You believe that lie long enough, and you're going to act as if it were true and you've just been captured in a stronghold, believing things that simply are not true. It becomes your reality. See, truth is your reality. It may not be real. It may be concoctions that you've, you've, you've developed or suspicions you've had, but it becomes your reality, and you are emotionally crippled because of it. And God says there's a better way to do things. And I want to talk to you about that for the next several weeks. But today, identify the strongest, the biggest stronghold that holds you back. Again, you don't have to write it down. And I don't want you to name them all because there's just too many to name. What I found that the Lord does in my life, there might be a big a, a pile of stones and all of them need to go. And I'm kind of hoping the Lord just takes one big shovelful and throws them all out, but he doesn't. He picks one stone at a time, and he removes that one. And sometimes it's not the stone I thought he was going to remove, because this one seems to be worse than that one, but he removes that one. Because God, who is the surgeon extraordinaire, knows how to remove things out of your life in a fashion and in an order that'll bring peace to you. So this morning, think about the uh, biggest stronghold that holds you back. Because in reality, you can't defeat what you don't define. Don't be nebulous, just one. 
What lie do you struggle with? Lie about God's love? God didn't really love you. He has to because he's God, but he really doesn't like you. He has to because he's, he's God and he's supposed to do that, but he really doesn't like you. You know, you just don't have what it takes. Everyone else is smart and you're not. If they only knew how dumb you were, you would never speak. You don't have what everybody else has. You're not talented enough. You'll never be successful. We talked about that. Your finances, you're going to be broke for the rest of your life. You're never going to have anything. You're just not any good with money. And you just don't know how to, how to you know, you'll never make very much money. See, and then the weapons of our worth, for, as far as the world are concerned, well, to get financially secure, you just get more money. That's how you get financially secure. And that's not true. There are a lot of people with a lot of money that are not secure financially. And those of you with some knows how quickly that can go away, don't you? A, mar a downturn in the market and you were rich, now you're not. And significance, yeah, I, it's, it's just to be really an important person, have that title, get to be the president, get to be the whatever it is, your, whatever food chain you're climbing up. And that simply is not true, that will not make you significant. Or the way to have real joy is just have lots of fun. And I've said it, and I know all kinds of people that you're having fun, but you're not happy. You're having fun. Every day is another kick in the pants, and you're having fun, but you're not happy. See, Paul said it well in Romans 12, too. He says, don't conform to this world's pattern of living, of behavior, of thinking, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Rewire your brain. Begin to cut some positive canals, paths in your brain that you can begin to operate positively, peacefully, with an eternal perspective. Create a new default system. And guys, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't have somebody just lay their hands on you. In Jesus' name, get rid of all that negative. It doesn't work that way. You didn't get it that way. It's not going to go away that way. It's intentionality. It's I'm not going to go negative. I'm going to go positive. I'm not going to let my brain go there. I'm going to go positive. And it takes God's truth. Not just trying to be happy with the same kind of mindset. God's truth of who he said he is what he'll do, and what he feels about you. I told a guy about 10 years ago, and he laughed and laughed, and I didn't mean to be funny, but I told him privately, and I said, and we were just sitting around the office talking, and I said, you know, I really believe that God is tickled pink with me. And he laughed and laughed, and I said, I didn't mean to be funny. He said, you're kidding me. And I said, no. I think God loves me, but I think he likes me, and I think he's really proud of me. Pastor, you can't. Yeah, I do. Milestone in my life yesterday, my parents are both gone to be with the Lord, but sometimes I wish they were here. I think they would be really proud of me. Amen. Do you know why I think that? Because my mind has been trained to run what God can do, not what the world can do. 
I've been at it a long time, bud. See, the Bible doesn't come to help you. It comes to transform you. And it comes with renewing how you think about things. A renewal of the mind. See, Adam and Eve, they believed the lie and acted accordingly. They ate of the fruit, thinking it's going to put them up on the next level. They could see and understand and be in the big boy club. They ate that, and they believed the lie, and it cost them everything. Okay, we identify the strongest stronghold in your life, the biggest stronghold. Now, identify the truth. It's in your bulletin there. <coughs> Excuse me. That demolishes that stronghold. You're not going to conquer what you can't. Con you can't conquer what you won't confront. If you justify yourself and say, "Well, that's just the way it is. I'm a bit smarter than everybody else. That's why I know how evil everybody is." You justify yourself, and you'll never get any better. I don't think you get any better until you come to grips with yourself and you say, I'm just tracking down the wrong path. See, Paul said again, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, who we know God to be. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We believe what God says. How about you? Believe what God says about wealth. Oh, that I can be so rich. No, how, how to handle wealth. What to do with wealth. It's not to make you fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter and you have so much it just falls out. Your, no, no, no. What to do with your wealth is you lift people up with it. The power is given not to make you more powerful and be the muscle guy on the beach. Power was given not for the powerful, but for the powerless. That we would leverage our power to help somebody else up. We would leverage our wealth to help somebody else up. And when you do that, you feel wealthy. Because you were able to help somebody. Maybe you don't have two nickels, but you gave one to somebody and you helped them get to where they need to be. What that does for you, it drops a load of dopamine in you that keeps you going. When you use your advantage... And whatever advantage that is, and we all have advantage in certain areas, that you lift somebody else up with your advantage, with your power, as it were, with your success. You don't rub it in the nose of somebody else that maybe didn't quite make it. You use your success to build people up, and you spend your life helping people to be successful. Zig Ziglar says there's no, there's no telling where you can be if you'll spend your life helping people to get where they want to be. That's what success is. And you don't have to be the president of anything to help people do that. You just have to be connected relationally. See, you create a neural pathway for your life. And that's what I want for you. A neural pathway to begin to create a neural pathway for your life. See, Jesus said it in, eight, in John 8, 31. He said, if you'd continue in my word. That's why this is not an overnight thing. If you continue in my word, if you keep on keeping on, then you're truly disciples of mine. Then you're really following Jesus. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. He says, you'll know the truth. The truth is not some kind of a theory or a concept or an ideology. Heaven's sakes, guys, the truth is a person. 
And when you know that person, that truth makes you free from all the other entrapments that this culture has. I'm not preaching an ideology. I'm not preaching a doctrine, a conforming to a church or any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about knowing the truth who is Jesus. And he will make you free from all the other kind of things that trap you. A false understanding of wealth, a false understanding of power, a false understanding of success, so you're not chasing rabbits the rest of your life. That you'd know the truth, him who is truthful, who is truth, and all of a sudden things begin to shake off your life. And you're able to see things like God sees them. See, 2 Peter says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Not religiously rigid, that's not godly, but he, Jesus, has given his divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him. And that's not some kind of an intellectual knowledge where I understand this Bible verse and blah, 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 blah. No, that's a relational knowledge where I know him. Paul says to know a right is life eternal. That's what I want for you, that you know him, that you get to know him. And all of a sudden, those neural pathways that always derail you, always says it can't be done, always says that you're not enough, those things to be clouded over by a can-do God, that it's amazing what you'll do, what God will do through you if you believe what he said and tear down some of that stronghold stuff. God's power and truth will create pathways in your head for God's blessings to flow to you. See, a lot of folks have such confused, jumbled pathways in their head. It's sometimes negative, sometimes positive. Water gets to go, and it can't go anywhere because it's all dammed up with negativity. All, it never gets to you. God's blessings want to uh, create a neural pathway where his blessings can come to you and then ultimately come through you. That his blessing is not just for you, but it's through you. To somebody else that has never understood how good God really is, how wonderful Jesus really is, how wonderful church can be when people love each other, care about each other, help each other, a lot of folks don't want to go around church because they've not found that to be true, but it really is true. It's through here. All kinds of help. It goes to all kinds of people because you people know the truth. And again, it's not a doctrine. He is a person. My testimony, a little kid raised born and raised in an Assembly of God home, raised in Casa Grande, little church of 65, 75, 80 people. One day we had 100 and thought we were going to, you know, get raptured here. But it was kind of a little Pentecostal church, and we acted, uh, we, I think it was strange. I thought it was just how people acted in church, but they acted kind of strange looking back as it was. But I thought that's how church was. And so when I went away, I went to college, I realized, whoa, there's a whole other way to act in church. And it was really good. I loved it. And seeing the hymn book, which I loved, and I, I, so don't, I love it. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. 
I know all the songs in the hymn book, so I don't even need the hymn book. I mean, who knows who's been in church that long? I know all the songs. Anyway, so I go to this other church, and they didn't use songs. They, they had this overhead projector. It's the funniest thing. And they were shining right on the wall. And I thought, wow, you don't have to hold the book. You can raise your hands. You can clap your hands. And they sang songs that way. And I got used to that, and I thought, well, isn't that cool? So then I uh, grow and go and go to another place, and then all of a sudden things are really different. And some of the folks that come to church aren't even church folks. And they don't even dress like church folks. God knows. And I remember wars going on among churches. Are they really Christians? Can they be a Christian? And on and on they go. And I saw the fruit of the Jesus in their life. And I said, of course they're Christians. Look at their lives. They may not dress like you think they ought to dress, but they're really godly people. They're wonderful people. And so I've been through, and I'm gonna, good to be old, I've been a few, around a few of these different kind of transitions. So when COVID hit this like a couple years ago, and all of a sudden things shut down and things go bad, and what are we going to do? And they won't let you have church, and on and on and on. And, and good thinking, I mean, nobody wants to get other people sick, and on and on. But there was something deep in me, because I believed that Jesus said he was going to build his church, and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. And I deeply, deeply, deeply believe that in whatever kind of circumstance there is. And so what it caused us to do, it forced us to go online so that you folks right now are watching us online just as if you're here in person. You're hearing the same kind of words that these folks in person are hearing. And it opened the doors for us to reach hundreds and hundreds of people that maybe aren't going to make it to church right away. Maybe they're working the days and, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe there's lots of reasons. But instead of fighting that thing, you embrace what God wants to do, and it's amazing what he'll do for you. It's amazing what he'll do for you. Do I like COVID? Of course not. Had dear friends. I've got dear friends with COVID now. And it's terrible, and we pray for them, and we don't want that stuff around. And, but uh, we like COVID. Of course we don't. But when the enemy comes in like a flood... The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And if you'll embrace God's work in the right way, even though you may not like it and it may not be comfortable to you, it's amazing what God will do for you if you'll just believe him. Jeremiah, come on back. We're going to wrap it up. See, Ecclesiastes, smartest guy in the world, said the words of the wise, prod us to live well, goad us to live well. They are like nails hammered home, holding life together. They are given by God, the one shepherd. I'm not a carpenter, I used to be a carpenter's helper and I could nail nails back in the day, I can't anymore. But I know when you're going to nail a picture, or you want to hang a picture, you just put a nail in the wall and tap, 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 and you leave part of the nail out so you can put the picture hook on it and hang your picture. This is not the kind of tap, tap, tap that Solomon was talking about. He's talking about a nails hammered home. Another translation says nails that are set, nails that are driven in and, and set there, and you're not going to pull them out. There are some truths of God's, that, about God and about his word that can be nails that are driven home in your life and all hell can break loose and it will not shake you. 
It will not make you rattle and roll. It will not throw you. Because the, the words of the wise, the words of God, will be nails hammered home in your life that hold you together. Hebrews 6 says, we have an anchor for the soul that goes into God himself. So when all of life goes crazy, you've got an anchor. So the winds might blow in all kinds of different directions, but it doesn't need to blow you over. I like peaceful, calm seas. But even when they're not peaceful, I've got an anchor. And I want you to have that anchor. I'm not trying to brag of how good I am. I'm not trying to do any of that. I want you to have that anchor in your soul. I want you to live your life with those nails hammered home. Nails set into your life that hold things together. And it begins with opening your life to Christ. Have you ever done that? Or have you done that recently? Oh, yeah, Pastor, when I was six years old, I went to church one time, and oh, that's good. I'm glad for you. Do you live your life today open to God, open to Jesus? That's, what I, that's where it all begins. Instead of saying, I can do this on my own, I'm going to just force myself. It's not about that. It's about believing what God says about you. Believing what God's love says about you. Do you have to be perfect? Of course not. He never said to be perfect. He said to trust him. If you've never done that, you can do that right where you sit. Like I said, back in the olden days, we used to come forward, and that's fine. I walk the aisle every Sunday. Can't be too careful when you're a kid. How many of you know that? But you right where you sit, right online. Maybe you're in some coffee shop somewhere. Maybe you're at home. And as I'm talking, you realize... I don't have those kinds of nails in my life that are holding me. I'm trying to hold myself together. And it's really hard. And no one else can see on the inside of me, but it's not pretty. I'm telling you, God will come and hold you. I don't try to hold on to the truth. The truth holds me. I don't hang on to go, oh, yeah, I believe you, God, I believe you. No, 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 the truth holds me. Jesus holds me. It's not dependent on my grip to him. Because sometimes I'm flaky. Sometimes my grip would get kind of loose. But the grace of God is about God's grip on my life. And he will never, but never, but never let you go. For those of you that are here in person, for those of you that are online, you can text right in and say, I'm opening my life to Christ today. For those of us that are here, when we sing that last song, there's going to be a place of prayer in the back. You might want someone to pray for you. 
you might want to tell somebody, you know, I'm opening my life to Christ today. And let them confirm that with you. Let them agree with you that that's what's happening for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these dear people. Lord, teach us how to think. Teach us how to think straight, how to think right. How to think in alliance and in agreement with who you are. With what your word says. With what your word has already said about us. And Lord, that's what I believe. I believe that you love me <laughs> and that you like me and that you're glad that I'm your child. So Lord, I pray that for these dear people in Jesus' strong name.